When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Inside NC State Athletics Podcast, powered by PNC Bank, the official bank of NC State University and Athletics. Now, here are your hosts, Tony Haynes and Jeff Gravely. We welcome you to our world. This is the Inside NC State Athletics Podcast. I'm Tony Haynes with Jeff Gravely. And on this podcast, we talk all things NC State athletics. So we thank you for joining us. And our podcast is powered by PNC Bank. And a lot of us show our Wolfpack pride in different ways, of course. And one of the ways I, I make, make it known that I have Wolfpack pride when I make purchases, I use my PNC Bank Visa debit card, which is designed just for NC State. In fact, it even has the university bell tower on the front of the card. It's always with me everywhere I go. And by the way, PNC customers can request one too. Then you can make purchases anywhere. Visa is accepted. It is the perfect way to show your school spirit. You can visit any local PNC bank, uh, PNC bank branch or pnc.com to learn more. PNC bank, official bank of NC State University and athletics. Visa is a registered trademark of Visa International Service Association and used under license, PNC bank. National Association member FDIC. So Jeff, we're, we're recording this podcast on uh, Friday afternoon, March 26. I thought about it last night as uh, I was getting set for the NC State Colorado State men's basketball game in the NIT, that it was March 25th and both of uh, NC State's basketball teams were still in action. That doesn't happen very much. Unfortunately, the men couldn't keep rolling, but the women's team getting set for a big Sweet 16 matchup with Indiana coming up on Saturday and all the best to them. Yeah, it, it is kind of neat to see. And, and and then you want to throw, 
even more of a wrench into it is you look at the other sports that are going on here this spring that normally are not going right. on this spring. We got swimming and diving, which uh, it's well chronicled the NC State women with five national championships. And the men right now are currently in Greensboro swimming for their own All-American status and championship. So uh, we got that going on. We got baseball, of course, going on. We just uh, had cross-country finish up. Uh, softball, of course, is going on. And, uh, you know, it's just – it's one of those cross-pollinated seasons. Spring hmm. football practice is going on hmm. for NC State. They've had, I believe now, eight practices, which is three more than they had a year ago. They had five a year ago, and I saw Coach Dorn – on the practice field Tuesday, I said, coach practice number seven, two more than you had last year. And he was <laughs> talking about, you know, it's been great. Not only that, but to have a year under their belt with, uh, when they had five new assistants last year, they have one new assistant this year and, and Joker Phillips. So, uh, some continuity and it was neat to see so many familiar faces taking part in spring football practice that are returning this year. And some of the, uh, starters that have been in the program for a while. Some may be a little dinged up. Some had a little off-season surgery or not taking part in spring practice. But this is a great time for evaluating young players. And if there's a position change or someone like that, there's a great opportunity there. So uh, we've got everything going on. But unfortunately, as you said, the men's basketball season is over. And uh, what a season it was for so, so many reasons. It's been a great spring for NC State Athletics. Uh, baseball's struggling a little bit. Unfortunately for Coach Avent, he's had to deal with a lot of injuries himself, and uh, that makes makes it a little bit more difficult. But the baseball team, you, it's amazing how quickly you can get well. If you go to Chapel Hill this weekend and you have a good series, then you'll start feeling a little bit uh, better about yourself very, very quickly. Uh, as we always do, we point out how many episodes of this podcast we have done, and uh, we got a great number today what is it number 42 aha 42 and you know i i i know who immediately came to my mind and that's who i'm putting at the top of the list but just in case just to chew the fat a little bit mm -hmm. and i know your your affinity for the yankees so you mm -hmm. gotta think of mariano rivera yes right All yeah time. i think mariano would be a number two on my list i think we both agree <laughs> who's number one because yeah that number 42 kind of transcends uh, the sport of baseball, but if I'll let you name, name if, this person. If Who, baseball retires your number and no team can wear it in the major leagues, right? that's a pretty doggone good number. The yeah. 42 of Jackie Robinson. And ironically enough, Mariano Rivera was the last player to wear 42. Wow. Okay. Because he was wearing 42 before the number was retired. Okay. So they allowed him to keep wearing 42 until the end of his career. Cause you got to remember Mo came up in the game. He, he came up to the major leagues in 1995. So that was well before they had made the decision to uh, right. retire Jackie Robinson's number. So he did finish with 42. I think it's kind of fitting because we know what Jackie Robinson did for the game of baseball. And, uh, and Mariano Rivera is the only unanimous selection to the baseball hall of fame. And you know what, if you're going to be runner up to anybody runner up to Jackie Robinson, wearing the famous number 42, it isn't a bad thing at all. I, you know, going back and looking and doing a little research too, not just on Jackie's major league career, but he was a heck of an athlete at UCLA. 
I mean, he, he was a four-sport athlete at UCLA. Uh, of course, he played baseball, but he, he also played basketball. Yep. He uh, was on the track and field team, and he played football. He was a good running back, defensive mm-hmm. back, punt returner. As a matter of fact, there is a clip on YouTube from USC versus UCLA in 1939, and some of it is in color. And there is this number 28 out there running around. It's Jackie Robinson mm-hmm. as a UCLA football player. And I was just so fascinated by that whole clip. First of all, that A, it was a clip from 1939 that included Jackie Robinson, but but two, part of it was was colorized. It was almost mm-hmm. as if Everett Case had taken over and and brought in color film back in the 30s, as he did for college basketball here at NC State in the 50s. Yeah, and I love the stories. I've seen the Jackie Robinson movie and, uh, you know, Branch Rickey, the strategy that he employed to select the first African-American player in the major leagues. And he knew that this person had to be more than a good baseball player. Oh, man. He'd have to be a tough person. He had to be thick skinned. He had to be able to deal with the criticism. It wasn't going to be easy. Yep. And Jackie Robinson, unfortunately, did uh, put up with a lot of abuse. Mm-hmm. So he made some sacrifices to become the transcendent figure that he actually was. Many sacrifices. And yeah. you, you, hit it, you hit that so, so correctly that I, there, I'm sure no, there are a lot of people that have no clue what Jackie Robinson had to do to endure all of the hatred and all of the letters. And, you know, you, you hear the Hank Aaron stories about letters that he kept mm-hmm. uh, from people that sent him hate mail. And, you know, unfortunately, Tony, we're, there's still hate mail out there today. It just mm-hmm. comes in the, in the form of a social media. We just saw it recently in college basketball, Yep. you know, in the NCAA tournament. Um, it's just, you know, it, it, it's just something that you, you, you hope progress has been made and progress has been made, but so much more progress needs to be made. And it gets discouraging at times when you see here in 2021, people sending uh, messages to African-American athletes that Jackie Robinson and Hank Aaron received, you know, mm-hmm. in the thirties and the forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies. Yeah, that's yeah. You're right. So incredibly unfortunate. And as you said earlier, I am, um, unapologetic i'm a yankee fan because my dad brainwashed me when i when i was a kid (laughs) but mariano rivera is absolutely one of my all-time favorite baseball players 141 postseason innings pitched 0.70 earn run average yeah and 652 saves the uh the most obviously ever and again it it was a no-brainer to make him the first unanimous selection to the baseball hall of fame, you know, he, he, everybody talks about the cutter and yeah, you know, they, they basically had one pitch. He used a two seamer every now and then uh, when right handers were leaning out over the plate, he'd drop a two seamer down and in and just to keep them honest. But yeah, he threw the cutter about 95% of the time he learned it by action. And he said he was just throwing in the outfield and the ball started moving, but um, David Cohn, who is a great analyst on the Yes Network, does the Yankee games, and he was a very good pitcher in his own right. They were having a conversation with him about Mariano once, and they, you know, how is this guy so successful with one pitch? And David Cohn says, to be a great pitcher, you must have three things, velocity, movement, and control. 
He says very three pitcher, very few pitchers master all three of those. Right. But uh, Rivera had enough velocity, even at the end of his career, he was throwing around 91. We know the movement on the cutter. And as much as anything else, the guy probably repeated his mechanics, his delivery better than oh. any pitcher of all time. Yeah. I used to watch games with him and uh, I watched games with friends and, and he would come into the game and I would say, all right, I want you to watch the catcher's mitt. The catcher could set up in, out, up, down, no matter where that catcher put the glove, he would hit it almost every time. He was like a machine really with his command. And therein, therein lies another great thing, Tony, is it could be the same pitch, but in different locations. Which right. Is, if you throw it, if you can throw it in four locations, that's four different pitches. Yep. So, you know, location, it's, and it's interesting about the cutter is when I was playing here at NC State, I remember back in 1983, our pitching coach, John Marabelli, was trying to teach us the cutter. It was this mm. new pitch that people yeah. had heard about it was right it was a little better than a slider it was mm -hmm. easier on your arm it was like throwing a fastball i just never never could grasp it and yeah you just change your grip the pressure yeah. on your grip a little bit to make yeah, it move. i mean it's it's almost like turning a doorknob so to right speak. Mm -hmm. and so that's why i became a media member because i never could <laughs> i never well, could. it just wasn't meant to be it, it was not was all right well anyway those are great 42s i also grew up uh a Washington fan in the NFL when I was a kid, Charlie Taylor. He was, uh, yeah, I put him that on was my a good list. 42. Yeah, I put Ronnie Lott on my list. Ronnie Lott, yes. Because of him. And I'll even, I'll even throw a NASCAR out, out at you there, Tony. I Kyle know. Petty. All right. Kyle Petty. Yes. He was a 42 for, for a long time driving the, uh, for Felix Sabatis in the mellow yellow mm -hmm. car, number 42 when mm -hmm. his dad was 43. So, but you know, we've got, We've got Jackie Robinson at one level, and then we've got, uh, you know, Mariano at another level, and then, okay, here are the rest of the 42s. That was great for you. 42, great number for us this week. All right, let's get to – we'll start with NC State men's basketball. And the first thing I want to do is express my utmost admiration oh. for Kevin Keats, his staff, and his players for getting through this season. It was very, very difficult. And you remember you and I – I think it was Coach Keats' last radio show – right before the ACC tournament. And he told us, you know, back in November when the season started, he, 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 did, he didn't think there was any way nope. they would play 20 or more games. Nope. Well, they ended up playing 25, thanks to the NIT. And they, they just handled it beautifully, and they got better. Some teams didn't get better. Some teams tripped over the wire and never got up in, in the months of, of, of February and March. Right. But I, I just want to express my admiration for the for what they went through, and they continued to fight and scrap, and they got better as a team. And don't you know that uh, this morning, Friday morning, <laughs> the day after the last game of the season, um, most of those guys probably woke up and they were exhausted. No question. They realized how difficult this has been. You know, I think the adrenaline probably pushed them through for the for the entire season. But you wake up, you realize you're not going to be preparing for another game this season. I, and my guess is it really, it, it hit them. I mean, I was tired when I woke up this morning. I'm not playing the game. I'm just broadcasting the game. But, you know, I think there was some kind of mental fatigue associated with what uh, everybody went through this year because, you know, everybody had to make a lot of uh, concessions and adjustments. Yeah, you're so right, Tony. It's like being on a mental treadmill the whole right. year long. And, you know, you could be running at full speed and then all of a sudden – 
somebody unplugs it and you've got yep. to stop mm -hmm. and then they plug it in again. And then you're going at medium speed and then full speed. I think you're right. If you looked at a guy like DJ Funderburk last night uh, after the game, the press conference his, at his face and the reality and the emotions that came out talking about how much he loved this team and how much he loved being on this team and having this being his senior year and last year. And, you know, you could, you could look at it in coach Keats and, you know, I, I texted him today and I said, Hey, congratulations on getting through one of the most challenging years you'll probably ever have. And I'm not talking about wins and losses, but just to get through and play. And he did, he said, it's the most challenging year I've ever had as a head coach. And it's not just the players. It's not just the head coach. It's not just the assistants. It's every manager that's involved. It's every person that is involved in the program because listen, you don't want to be that person that tests positive for COVID and they have to shut down. Mm -hmm. I feel that way when we're doing the radio show with coach Keats on when we did it on Mondays, yeah. I did not want to be a reason why the program had to shut down. And it was, it just weighed on everybody. And I think Tony, you're right. Once the horn sounded last night and the reality of the season is over, I think it hit them all. And, one of the most powerful pictures was them in the locker room after the game in prayer with their arms all around each other. And I think that kind of spoke volumes of what this season has meant to a lot of them, what they can gain out of this season, what they've learned out of this season, and what they've endured this whole season. You know, I looked it up uh, prior to the game last night, and I think what really helped this team, and, and one of many reasons why they did get better and improve, and they did – Prior to the Colorado State game, they'd won six of seven, five of those away from PNC Arena, which is pretty remarkable if you think about it. Um, they only had one COVID cancellation after January 15th. Yeah. And that was the last game against Virginia Tech. And that was so because they essentially of Tech. played yeah. two straight months yep. uninterrupted. Yep. That's how you get better. Mm -hmm. You know, you practice every day, you play two games a week. And they, I think they're one of the few teams in the ACC and maybe in college basketball that were able to get through, you know, the middle part of January, all of February, and then you get to March. And you're playing basketball games. You're in that routine of playing two games a week for two straight months. And I don't know that many teams were able to achieve that. But I think that's one of the major reasons that uh, we saw such improvement in this team, despite the fact that they were missing – Devin Daniels, Thomas Allen, and of course, then Braxton Beverly in the Colorado State game. Yeah, and I think it speaks volumes of when you go back and look at the preseason or the offseason that never really was for the right. freshmen coming in. There was not a true offseason. Here's your introduction to college. Here's your introduction to college workouts. Here's your introduction to our workouts. And then here's your introduction to practice. I think those things were missing immensely. And I think you saw it in not just uh, the young players at NC State. I think you saw it all across the country. It, it might help explain some of the reasons why some of the teams that usually are making runs in March didn't even make it to March or decided they couldn't continue to play. And so, you know, I, I think it's one of those situations where no one really wants to go through another season like this, and that'll be fine with me if they don't. Well, one reason NC State got hot, another reason we got into, you know, the fact that they were able to play uh, on a regular basis. But after those Syracuse and Duke games, you know, oh, yeah. uh, late January or February, what were we talking about? Turnovers. 
Yeah. You know, this was not a team that was going to be good enough to survive 15, 16, 17 turnovers in the game. And, you know, they lost. That was that was the low point of the season when they dropped those back to back home games to Syracuse and Duke. I think they had 39 combined turnovers. You are correct. And, you know, and Kevin Keith said, you know, we will not win games until we start valuing the basketball. And it was at that point that they turned their season around because they, they started playing much better offensively. When I say that they were getting the most out of every possession, meaning they were coming down, they were getting shots instead of turning the ball over. Then all of a sudden they start shooting a high percentage because during those, in those six wins, they shot 50%, uh, average 50% shooting and their average number of turnovers, probably in the 11 to 12 range, which you, which you can live with. Right. And, and so that's why they played winning basketball. But then, unfortunately, in the Colorado State game, they fell back into the bad habits when it comes to the turnovers. They finished with 17. And to me, that's really the difference in the game, especially in the second half. The first 12 minutes of the second half, they had some kind of unforced turnovers, and that really fueled Colorado State's offense. The Rams got some easy offense out of those turnovers. Up to that point, they'd kind of struggled offensively. Remember, they shot only 28% in the first half. Right. So those turnovers kind of got Colorado State going in the first part of that second half. They came back. They took the lead. And uh, as Coach Keats had said, after those Syracuse and Duke games, we're not a good enough team to turn the ball over at that rate and expect to win. And unfortunately, it came back to bite them against Colorado State. Yeah, and it was a great start for DJ. I mean, it was DJ, DJ, DJ at the beginning of the game. What was it? 9-0, DJ over Colorado State. And then he had 11 points at the 10-minute mark, but then he didn't take another field goal until, you know, it was like nine minutes, 10 minutes to go in the second half. Didn't take one. Didn't make another one until an offensive rebound with about a minute to go. But, you know, I think Colorado State did some things to kind of pack a few more people around DJ to disallow him to get the ball. And then I think this is something that you and I were talking about that you brought out before the podcast is, is I think some of the young guards tried to force a few passes yes. in there because that's what they wanted to do. And it kind of cost them in the turnover department. Yeah. You know, Sebron and Shaquille Moore and Cam Hayes were all very excited about their futures and they had some great moments here uh, down the stretch in this season. In fact, the pack doesn't make the NIT and nope. doesn't win six out of seven doesn't win five straight road games without the contributions of those guys, but their youth was on display in this one. And with no Braxton Beverly there to kind of stabilize everything, you know, those three Sebron Hayes Moore, they combined for 12 of the 17 turnovers. And, and I and think, and I think it affected it. them offensively shooting too, because they sure. didn't shoot well and didn't score well. Right. And so. they tried to force things into a, you know, Colorado state plays a pack line defense on steroids. Right. Yep. I saw it when I scouted them watching them play their game against Buffalo last week. You don't you won't see any of their defensive players venture out beyond the three point line very much, except when they're playing that one three one zone, which they went to a couple of times. But there's a lot of traffic in a 20 foot circle when you're playing Colorado State. So it, it's a little more difficult to feed the post. But one thing you can't try to do is force it. And you're right. I thought the post defense on DJ Funderburk in the second half was spectacular. They were fronting him and DJ was not able to get the position. We've seen him get the last couple of games and they were fronting with, uh, with smaller guys, you know, right. Uh, their best player, David Roddy, he's six, five, but he is a real strong. Oh, powerful. Yeah. 
he six, can move five. around with his lower yep. parts if you know what i mean yeah he can do that and uh, then they have another six five player coming off the bench john yep. tanjay yep. who's kind of similar so they were undersized but i'll tell you those those players are really doing a good job staying over the top fronting the post and there just weren't any easy entries there for dj funderburk and i think shutting him down in the second half for Colorado State was a big uh, was w- w- another big reason they were able to win the game. And then him getting four personal fouls changed him on the defensive end. A, a little yeah. Bit. Oh yeah. It just that and they knew and you saw Roddy had a much better second half than right. He, he was not a factor at all in the first half, but but you know certainly was in the second half. But um, you know it was just one of those situations where you. you as bad as things were in the second half for NC State, they still had a, a final possession to to either tie the game or take the lead. And I think that, you know, in that situation, uh, Coach Keats described what they wanted to do. It was they wanted Helms to come off and have an opportunity to shoot a three because he felt like defensively mm-hmm. that Colorado State would try to, you know, come out and defend that, which mm-hmm. might have left DJ maybe one-on-one in the post and it was Helms that was going to find DJ but obviously that didn't work uh the shot uh it was good shot but it just didn't go in and you know I think that's one thing I've been watching a lot of college basketball here in the tournament and and all and one thing that you know it seems like the really good teams have is somebody or the ability to knock down threes and shots because everything has become such drive and kick or, you know, some pick and pop, some some pick and roll. But having the ability to have somebody step out and hit a three-pointer is something that's critical. And I think that's something that if you were going to look at in the offseason, that, that NC State would try to find or hopefully someone steps up next year to be that consistent three-point shooter that you need. Yeah, one thing Colorado State, as we said, you know, the pack line on steroids is a containment-oriented defense. They don't extend themselves. So you got to hit some threes against them. Mm-hmm. You know, the availabilities are going to be there. And, you know, NC State only five of 22 from the three-point arc. And let's face it, Braxton Beverly would have made a difference against that style of defense because not only can he shoot threes, he's got tremendous range. And you kind of miss his three-point threat in this basketball game. But more than that, as you look at the turnovers again, you miss that stabilizing factor that he can be. You know, Braxton, a lot of people focus on Braxton Beverly's shortcomings. You hear a lot of discussion about that, where at times over the course of his career, he's had a difficult time guarding the dribble. We get that. And he's smaller. Sometimes bigger guards have been able to take, uh, take advantage of him. But if you focus too much on someone's shortcomings, not just Braxton and Beverly, you lose sight of the things that they do well. You tend to lose sight of the things that they do well that can help you win. And his absence was felt last night. You know, when those young guards started turning the ball over, Coach Keats would have had him in the game. All right, Braxton wants you to handle the basketball. Yep. All of a sudden, you're going to see solid decisions. Uh, he's not going to force, try to force feed the post, try to uh, make plays that aren't there. And that's why in his career, Braxton Beverly has a very good assist to turnover ratio. And he's always been a low turnover guy. And I dare say that if Braxton Beverly is available in that game and he's out there for 25 minutes or so, NC State probably wouldn't have ended up with 17 turnovers. And in fact, you look at the way this game was played. If a state gets out of there with 12 or 13 turnovers, it's probably still playing right now. 
Yeah, because you know Colorado State gets 15 points off of those turnovers. So you know that's a that's a pretty good ratio for them. 17 state 17 turnovers and they've got 15 points. But the other thing too, Tony, and this is something you and I talked about on the phone, I guess the day before the game is when we were looking at Colorado State, we were like, all right, finally Braxton Beverly is going to be able to look in the eye or look down on a couple of guards that he's going to face <laughs> at six feet and five ten. Right. So, you know, that was another thing that it would have been, it would not have been those guys posting up Braxton Beverly. They would have had to beat him off the dribble. And, you know, I think it would, you're exactly right. From the offensive end, it would have helped out. And I think from the defensive end, I don't think he would have been exposed as much uh, playing against Colorado State. From a quickness standpoint, I get that. But from a size standpoint, it wasn't going to be like guards going in or posting up or Buddy Bayheim or somebody like that. This guy, oh, okay, I'm going to dribble in a few, pull up and shoot over, two feet over Braxton Beverly. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I'll take a guy like Braxton on my team any day. I'll take it. I'll take it for what he brings. I'll take it for how gutty he is. And who can ever forget the PNC buzzer beater against Clemson, right? So he has provided some moments. Mm. He's a member of, uh, you know, of a of an elite group of thousand point scorers in his career. And so not everybody can do that. So, you know, I think NC State's better off with him than without him. And we'll find that out next year, unless he decides to come back. Right. And That's we true. don't know that he mm-hmm. could do that, or he may just be like, my body is so beat up. I'm done with basketball. Yeah. He said after the HCC tournament, somebody asked him the question and he said, you know, I'm gonna make that decision after the season, consult with the coaches and yeah. my family. And uh, I'm sure we'll find out Braxton's plans here uh, soon enough. When you and I had that phone call the other day, prior to the Colorado state game, I told you because I had, I had watched the Rams play. Um, I record some of their games and I told you, that I thought NC state would beat them if the Wolfpack played well, mm-hmm. played well, like it's played down the stretch other than the Syracuse game in the ACC tournament. Uh, and I stick by that. I think if NC state would have played well in that game on Thursday night, take taking care of the basketball, I think it would have taken, it would have won this game. And, you know, my opinion hasn't changed, but of, you know, of the last, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, eight games, you know, there were two two in there where the pack didn't play at the same level, the Syracuse game and the turn, ACC tournament and uh, the Colorado State game. And I kind of throw the Syracuse game out. I think that was more Syracuse just being really good. I think they've and, uh, had a good close to the season. Right. They're in the Sweet right? 16. So, you know, forget <laughs> about that. They're not an 11 seed. Buddy Bayheim's having the month of his career. Yeah, Buddy Ball. I mean. You got, uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're in, in the NCAA tournament. They're the poster child for reseeding the tournament. Exactly. After two games, because but that's they, what Syracuse is. They, they yeah, all they have to right. do is get in the dang tournament. Right. That's right. And then oh. you're going to have to face that two-three defense that you don't see all the time. And mm-hmm. you know that's how they that's how they make runs. And you know they're they're almost like they either get in and lose in the first round or go to the final four. Well, their zone has gotten better, but yeah. this Syracuse team has always been able to score. Yeah. And, and I remember when State was about to play him in the regular season, I was listening to Coach Bayheim, and, you know, he was saying, for us to win, we've got to score this year. That It's about offense for us. Uh, well, towards the end of the year, the zone started catching up and getting better. And that's why they're in the Sweet 16. But anyway, so, you know, Syracuse was beat State three times, and it really wasn't a fluke. I don't And uh, maybe the pack didn't play great in that ACC tournament game, but Syracuse was really good. They were. This game – 
uh, in the NIT, though, uh, to me, it was a little more on NC State, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the pack didn't play as well. And, and again, you start with those turnovers we talked about. And thus your statement, if they play well, they win. But it's all right. about part about coming together, staying stronger, and that's certainly something that your Carolina Ford dealer is doing, built to lend a hand as an essential part of the community. Please reach out to your participating dealer to learn more about home delivery and other vehicle service options. After all, you have a lot to take care of. Let us help take care of you. Find out more at buyfordnow.com or contact your Carolina Ford dealer today. Together, we can all keep moving forward. But now basketball season is not over for NC State. No, no, no. Because Wes Moore, the national coach of the year. National. National coach of the year. <laughs> Going to lead his team into the Sweet 16 on Saturday against Indiana. Talk about home court advantage. Indiana. Right? Indiana. What's that? It's hard, it's hard to believe that Indiana has not been to the Sweet 16 in women's basketball. They have been among the 16 final teams playing that was in 1983 when they did not have a sweet 16, but I, hey. I, I, let me correct myself. I said home court advantage, my brain lock, the women's term is in Texas. Not well, in it, it, no, I thought you were referring to the home court advantage for Wes Moore. Uh, well, yes, the, there you go. The being teacher, a Texas guy, the tea loving Texan himself. Yes. That is by the way, as you mentioned earlier, the national coach of the year. Yeah. Let's be thankful. The women's tournament isn't in Indiana. No, but the w Texas. You know, what's interesting is uh, the WBCA the, uh, that presented him the National um, Coach of the Year, it was neat. To, uh, he was asked at the press conference just his reaction. Of course, you know Wes. You know what mm -hmm. he's going to do, deflect the, the praise. He, he right. first praised this is a player's award. It's, a, it's my assistants that get no credit. And he goes, but he says, and, and you know, I, I am grateful. And I, I've got to be honest with you, I did not know – that it was named after Pat Summit. Right. I kind of choked up when he talked about mm -hmm. it. You know, him coaching in Tennessee himself, and he has known Pat, had known Pat Summit for a long time. And as he said, did, he did a lot for his career. So here's a, a, here's a coach who has ha been influenced by Pat Summit and Kay Yao. Uh, I think we know kind of, kind of the background of where West gets some of his success from. And, Good luck to the Lady Pack as they take on Indiana, a very tall physical team, a very good defensive team, a team that has only allowed 80 points total in the first two games of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if State can get the free-flowing game that it prefers mm -hmm. against Indiana because Indiana, based on their defensive statistics, haven't watched them play. But clearly they're one of those teams that they like to force you to play against their set defense most of the day and maybe you don't get those high scoring games that you're accustomed to and we'll see if uh, the pack can speed the game up a little bit well it'd be interesting too because like i said indiana has some size their leading scorer mckenzie mm -hmm. holmes is six three she averages about 18 points a game and about eight rebounds and if you watched nc state uh, play south florida and, and really north carolina a&t what teams are doing is being as physical as they can with right and they're saying, somebody else has got to beat me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let her beat me. We're going to beat her up. Uh, South Florida used all the fouls that they had in the post. And Indiana can do something very similar. Right. Uh, they have depth in the post. 
They may not have the quality of depth in the post, but they can go six three, six foot, six one. They have a six five post player that came in and played in the in the blowout in their uh, Sweet Sixteen clinching win. So they have the bodies in there too that can that can go against Elisa Kanane and be as physical as they can with her. But here, Tony, I think this is an improvement that Elisa has made this year. Number one, she can absorb that physicality a lot better than she did a year ago. And number two, she has become such a much better passer out of the double teams and the triple teams that we saw South Florida play against her where she can find someone for a bucket or a jump shot. And so there we've seen the improvement of an All-American uh, in Elisa. And then, you know, what's the status of Kayla Jones? Uh, Wes said uh, yesterday, which was Thursday, that it's still about the same. They don't know if she can play there. He's going to leave that up to the doctors and her. Uh, it's a knee situation, a left knee situation. And, you know, you're talking about uh, not only one of your better players, but also can work the post and is one of those stretch four players that can really give yeah. a defense a problem. Uh, so what they've been able to do in the first two games is bring in the ACC's sixth person of the year uh, in Jada Boyd, who's done nothing but score 18 points per game. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see that the two sophomores have led NC State in the first two games in Jada Boyd and Jakia Brown-Turner. But then during this time of the year, Tony, in, in runs like this, you need an unexpected contributor sometimes. And in the first game, it was Genesis Bryant who came in, a guard who had had very limited playing time over the last month or so. She scores nine points, plays great. And then in the game against North Carolina A&T, Ellie Sutphin comes in. She hadn't played hardly any in the season at all, and she contributes with four points and a couple of rebounds. So those are the kind of contributions you make, uh, you need to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, and they'll need that Saturday at 6 o'clock against Indiana. And it shows you the quality of the recruiting. Oh, You yeah. know, when you start peeling off the layers of the onions and you lose a, a Jada Boyd, and um, then you got to figure out, you know, what's next in line. And yep. Yep. they have, have really done a good job um, in that area Jada, finding, finding Jada minutes. Didn't, Jada didn't play in that South Carolina game. She was a starter. Oh, is that right? And then that was the South Carolina game where she couldn't play. But that was a game where Kayla Jones just – Kayla Jones, yeah. She just burned up South Carolina with her overall play. Right. So they're, they're interchangeable parts. You're better with a full roster at this time of the year. But, boy, if, if you've got to plug in someone to be a starter, you want to plug in someone yeah. who's the ACC sixth person of the year, yeah. like Jada Boyd. Yeah, and, again, it shows you the recruiting. is when Jada Boyd couldn't play earlier, and now Kayla Jones has missed a game and a half. Yep. Right, the South Florida game, she didn't play for the entire game, and her, her status is up in the air. It is difficult to replace a, a versatile player like that. Yeah, though, oh, absolutely. She does so many different things well, but – they seem to find a way, and, and you talked about doubling and tripling, t triple teaming the post. It makes sense when you got a great post player like sure. Nane, but she's got so many weapons around her, yep. and they've got so many other people that can score. Uh, I think you know it's kind of one of those pick your poison type of strategies, but I don't think there are any easy choices when you're trying to defend this team because you know, the people that that are around her, they also can have big games. They've proven that over the course of the season. And, you know, it was one of the things that Wes was talking about coming out of the ACC tournament championship was we got to shoot the ball better. 
because he knows what's going to happen defensively right. against Canaan. And the person that's really, I won't even say improved, but has continued to shoot the ball well is Kai Crutchfield. You know, the senior guard out of Raleigh, you like to see her step up and, and hit shots like that. Um, Jakia Brown-Turner has shot the three a little bit better since the ACC tournament. So you got to have people – you got to have people knock down those shots when Elisa does find them. And, you know, so far they've been able to do that and hopefully they'll be able to do it against Indiana, who, by the way, you talk about a shooter in, on Indiana's coaching staff is one of the great three point shooters that NC state has seen and had is Ashley Williams, who played, I believe she was on Wes's first team here. She was a walk-on from Green Hope high school, uh, found a way to contribute uh, became one of the premier shooters on the team and in the ACC, a scholar. And we're talking about a scholar now, all right? This is, this is one of those 3.9 industrial engineering majors. And she won the KL Scholarship Scholar Award from the ACC. And so Wes tells a story uh, yesterday about when uh, Ashley came into his office and he's like, man, she's got a 3.9 GPA industrial engineering major and she comes to my office and goes I think I want to go into coaching <laughs> and oh, Wes man. goes gosh Ashley I thought you were very intelligent I don't know why you would want to go into coaching but he also complimented her on being a really 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 good young coach and feels like she'll be a, a head coach uh, one day but here's somebody that is, has been in this program for four years under Wes knows the system, knows the calls. And Wes even said, I might have to change a few signals uh, when I'm calling in <laughs> yeah, plays because she can pick up on all of them. Well, you and I, I remember we were attending those industrial engineering classes together. Back. <laughs> or is my, is or my memory a little foggy on that? We were there as guest speakers. That was no, a we were, we, no, we were tourists. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. we got lost when yes. we went into that building. Well, well I, I just hope that Kayla Jones can play because, yeah, you know, she had to, uh, like the rest of her teammates and the coaches, uh, go through the disappointment of not having the opportunity to get in the NCAA tournament or play in the tournament because it was canceled. And, you know, for her, you, you'd really, you really feel for her if she doesn't get that chance, you know, because of, because of this injury. I mean, she played a little bit in the first game and then, yeah, you know, since then she's not been able to get out there. So you can kind of cross your fingers, hope she can make a recovery and uh, give the pack some minutes and help them hopefully get to the final four. You know, we're getting close to the final four and maybe we're getting close to the end of the coronavirus getting close right we're trying so, to turn the corner here but uh blue cross vinci want to remind wolfpack fans you need to continue to make your stand against the spread of the virus so practice your three w's wear weight and wash blue cross and blue shield of north carolina they resolve to help north carolina stay healthy well you know we're wish wishing for help and happiness happiness would be a win over indiana on saturday so hampton farms is right in the boat with us or on the tractor with us helping uh, you have happiness and health from our family to yours to so crack open a bag of our in-shell peanuts to bring the stadium experience straight to your living room or backyard. Enjoy with your loved ones to continue making memories from home. Find our in-shell peanuts in the produce section of your local grocery store or delivered to your door from hamptonfarms.com. You think peanuts, you think baseball. And Coach Elliot Avin and the Wolfpack have a big one this weekend in Chapel Hill. 
at they do. So still a lot of things going on. Uh, the good news continues for NC State. All these championships we've seen that have been won here over the last month uh, throughout the athletic department. You know, it's really it's a good time to be a Pack fan. Well, I know people are down right now because uh, men's basketball finally had its season come to an end. That's, you know, that, that's natural. You, uh, you, we would have loved to see them continue to play and maybe have a chance to win the championship. But overall, across the board, you look like, man, it's been it's been a great spring for NC State Athletics. And just to make it through, we said this after the football season, to make it through a football season was an accomplishment. To make it through a college basketball season is an accomplishment because not all teams made it to the end of the season. So the Wolfpack women continue their march through March. March on. March on. Get a couple more. Four more wins, right? Yeah. I'd take, at. I'd take two more just to get them to the final four. Well, no, I'm going to be time. greedy and say, let's, let's, let's just win four more. And all right. I'm see what happens on Hillsborough street. I'll bet Wes would not apply to that same. Uh, no, no, absolutely not. Your buddy Wes would pull you to the side and say, now, Tony, don't say that. You know, we can't look ahead. I got to play Tony. one game at a time. <laughs> I can't believe you said that, man. God. <laughs> I can hear him saying it. Well, we wish them the best. Hopefully Kayla Jones can get back out there and, uh, Next week, we can come back and maybe discuss uh, the final four. Ooh. Magic two words, final four, right? I would love to go to a final four and cover NC State. Maybe it'll happen. Let's hope. Well, for our fans out there, thank you so much. Not our fans, not Jeff Gravely, Tony Haynes fans, but the fans of NC State. Can I clarify that? That's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have fans. No, we don't. No, that doesn't happen. Anyway, our moms are probably fans. Maybe so. I count my mom. She's my biggest and only fan. How about that? Okay. And, and our our biggest critics too. Yeah, they're they're okay. You know, we, we get that. <laughs> it's, part, it's part of the gig. Anyway, we thank you for listening to our Inside NC State Athletics podcast. It is powered by PNC Bank. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you again soon. This has been the Inside NC State Athletics Podcast, powered by PNC Bank, the official bank of NC State University and Athletics.